Hey, Wagoneers, it's Anne. Uh, before we get started on today's episode, I wanted to take just a quick minute to update you on our GoFundMe campaign to get Mike and Emily out of a few jams. Now, we opened the campaign on Monday, October 3rd, and on Wednesday, October 12th, we reached our goal. That's in 10 days, we raised $20,000. That is quite a few jams, guys. I am absolutely amazed and also not surprised at all by the love and the generosity shown by this community. I'm really honored to be a part of this group. If I can uh, pull back the curtain for just a minute, when we were setting this campaign up, there was a fair amount of discussion about what the right goal was for us to set. I mean, none of us have ever done anything like this before, Uh, but we decided that uh, $10,000 seemed like kind of a reasonable goal, and also we're tens, $10,000, that's kind of cute. But as our launch date approached, we started to wonder if we were selling ourselves short, if we were selling you short, and maybe we could do more. So after a lot of talk, we took a deep breath and crossed our fingers, and we doubled that original goal. And I got to say, we're looking pretty smart for doing that, because we raised that initial $10,000 in the first day. That's incredible. And now it is Thursday night, and I'm looking at the current total is $20,850. This has been everything that we could hope for, and we're so incredibly thankful. Now, there are still some people who have indicated that they'd like to contribute, but they just needed to wait for payday. So what we decided to do is leave the campaign open through this weekend. That's through Sunday the 16th. So if you would still like to participate, you are more than welcome. Then come Monday, we'll just close it down and move on, and it can finally stop raining on Mike's face. No matter what we say, I don't think we can possibly express how much this really means to us that you've supported this campaign and supported Mike and Emily so generously and so vigorously and publicly. But we did find a special someone who has a knack for putting things just perfectly and was able to sum up pretty much how we feel about this. Hi, Little Red Bandwagon. This is Jen Flash Andrews taking one quick moment to thank everybody who gave to the GoFundMe account to get Mike and Emily out of some jams. I know them personally. I adore them. I was honored to be able to give just a little bit because as we all know, sometimes you pull the Little Red Wagon and sometimes you need a ride in it. Thank you to everybody. No mountain too tall. And good luck to all. And now, on with the show. Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, a twice-weekly podcast about the radio show turned podcast Too Beautiful to Live. We've got our bags of Duke's hot and spicy shorty smoked sausages, our cans of peach citrus fresca, and we're ready for a tangent about airplane seat hacks at any time. Uh, Coming to you tonight from the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, I'm Ann Lundholm. And joining me tonight from the Holmes Gets Wise studios in Everett, Washington, it's the nice lady, Christy Wise. Hello, Christy. Hello, Anne. And 
uh, tonight is a Friday show, and we have the pleasure and privilege of talking to one of our fellow tens. It's ladies' night, and we thought, what better than to get three good Midwestern girls together and have a little chat? So I would like to welcome Catherine Damon of Wamigo, Kansas. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We've been looking forward to talking to you. And so we'll be following the usual plan tonight, starting with um, uh, Catherine's personal life. We're going to get deep, deep into her personal business. (laughs) Not as actually actually as Mike would do it, but we'll try. (laughs) We'll listen to Catherine's TVTL history clip and we'll break it down and then we'll finish up by doing a little housekeeping and we'll tell you how to get involved with the show. So, Catherine, the first thing we know about you is you're from Kansas, and you told us that you went to college in Springfield, Missouri, which is near Branson. And I did, I did. We've um, heard a lot about Branson on the show lately. I did, and not all of it, I think, was true. I mean, a lot of it was, right? Like, he he talked about how it's the Vegas of the Midwest, where people don't drink, and it's real family-oriented, family which is true, Right. Very family oriented and people don't really drink there. Um, but there's a lot more going on in Branson than he let on. Um, I actually, um, had a friend who lived in like one of the suburbs. So like Branson was her hometown and she knew all the seedy places there. Uh-huh. Um, it was, it was pretty, not, not that I was a wild kid, but she told me some wild stories about Branson. So I don't know. Um, did you ever go see the Yakov Smirnoff show or Greg <laughs> I did Brady? not, but you better believe when you're driving the, the stretch of interstate that runs from Springfield to Branson, which is probably, it's probably a 20 minute, 30 minute drive. So not far at all. You see about four Yakov Smirnoff <laughs> billboards <laughs> on the track. Wait, does he live there? Does he live in there? I think he does. Oh. I think he must live there. Um, them and then there's like i'm trying to think about the other big things that are there um there's like a dolly pardon show that's there like dixie stampede um silver dollar city of course which is like a big amusement park um my sister actually still kind of lives in this that area and she takes her kids there all the time um they have you know shows and stuff and lots and lots of restaurants and oh it's kind of cool is it a place that that luke could have fun in by himself um maybe <laughs> like if, like i said it's um it's very dry you know mm. liquor dry um mm. kind of place so he likes i think he likes to tie it on a little too much sometimes so it's it's the kind of place if you're looking for non-liquor related fun if that makes sense mm. yeah yes so not a place so. for him basically <laughs> <laughs> well i have a friend that goes to branson for a week every summer to some mm. lake yeah, there's Lake of the Ozarks there, and it's beautiful. Um, that friend that I know that lives there, her her family's house was right on the lake, just overlooking. It was gorgeous. LRB retreat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but only if it's the Santa Fest. Yes, I think it's better to go in the summer, because in the winter, they have really terrible ice storms in that part of the country. Like, I think I literally remember five or six in the four years I went to college there in which we lost power for multiple days no. because of ice. So it's, it's, it gets pretty wild and crazy. Yeah. I'm never going back to the Midwest in the winter ever again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you just have to dress for it, Christy. Well, yeah. I know. And I went to a Seahawks 
Kansas City game and it was nine degrees. And I said, this is why we left. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah. And the, the, K, the Kansas City Chiefs Stadium, I think, is all open. Yes. It? So who does you that? Get, you get all of the weather. I just kept saying, no, this is a threat. This is a threat to the fans, to the, the players. This is there should be no open air stadiums in any of the Midwest, period. I think I agree with that. No matter what sport it is, close it up. Absolutely. At least have Even the baseball. option. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So I was thinking about Springfield, Missouri and, and Luke's trip there. And mm-hmm. what I want you to explain to me is this concept that we talked about, Christy, of throwed rolls. Is this a thing? Oh. Yes. It is a thing. There's a there's a place called Lambert's Cafe. Uh-huh. It's actually in Ozark, which is a little bitty town. It's I would I would say it's a suburb. They wouldn't call themselves a suburb, but it's a suburb of Springfield. And it's home of the Throde Roll. And it's there's actually a chain and I'm not sure if that's the first one or not. But you go in and you wait forever because it's a real popular place, right? Because everyone wants to get their rolls thrown. Mm-hmm. And so you're waiting for, you know, 45 minutes to two hours for your food. Mm. You get sit down and they come around with like, and you get like, I think it's a, you get a paper towel in front of you and they come around and they bring you fried okra and they bring you the rolls, which they throw and all kinds of stuff. Just scoop it onto your, your napkin that you have. Wait, no plates. Right. No plates at this point. And then your waiter comes and they're like, well, what do you want to order? And so you order way too expensive of food, <laughs> right? You're... <laughs> Like, I'm, we're talking, like, maybe 15 bucks for a hamburger, oh, yeah. if I remember correctly. That's too much for a place that's called a cafe. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And I'm cheap. I'm sorry. Maybe that's the Midwest in me. <laughs> but, you know, 10 bucks if you're going to a place to sit down for a hamburger, maybe. Right? 15 not so mm-hmm. much. But anyway, so you order your food, and they keep bringing you fried okra and things and throwing rolls at you. So by the time your food comes, you're not hungry. So... And if I remember correctly, I don't think you get to take your food with you. What? I don't remember that for sure. Too many rules. It, There's too many rules. Too many Yeah. So it's been a while since I've been there because I graduated college six years ago, seven years ago now. So, um, but if I remember correctly, I don't think you get a to-go box, which I think that's also a ripoff, but whatever. Well, you know what so. that says to me? That says they reuse whatever you leave. Yeah, I don't. Exactly. <laughs> you would hope not. Yeah. Maybe. So. So. Is the fried stuff and the rolls, are those unlimited? Like, just they just keep bringing them yes. to you? Yes, yes. Like, I mean, it's the things I remember is fried okra because that's, I eat fried mm-hmm. okra, but they bring other things that I don't eat. Like, I'm a fairly picky eater. So there may be other things that I don't, that I've blocked from my memory mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I didn't actually eat, but they bring around. Hmm. And um, they throw so. the rolls at you. Yes, they throw them. Somebody comes out, like one of their waiters comes out with like a big basket of rolls and he's like, who wants a roll? And you raise your hand and they throw it at you. And sometimes you catch them. Sometimes then you don't. And I think it's some poor person's job to go around and pick up all the rolls off the floor. No. <laughs> this needs to be a road trip. So, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's kind of fun. Like I said, other than the fact you wait forever. No, the fact the food's really overpriced. No, the fact that I, you don't get a to-go box. Uh-huh. Um, not a bad experience. But is the food so, good? What I remember, it was decent. Okay. Um, you know, not not fifteen dollars worth of good for a hamburger, but maybe equivalent to like maybe like a Ruby Tuesdays hamburger. So hmm. I don't know if you've ever eaten at Ruby Tuesdays. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of like that. God, hmm. that's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, <laughs> another thing that I want to talk to you about, this is my purely my own selfish thing, is I saw some Gilmore Girls quotes on your Facebook page. I love me some Gilmore Girls. Yeah, I love Gilmore um... Girls, too. Christy, do you watch Gilmore Girls? So here's the thing about Gilmore Girls. I missed it. I think I was in college and didn't have cable. So there's a couple shows where I have a, a black hole, like that and West Wing. And there's a oh, couple others that I just didn't have access to TV at the time. But they're shows that absolutely speak to me. So I've started to watch the Gilmore Girls because they have it on Netflix or Hulu or mm-hmm. one of those. Yeah, it's on Netflix, so all of it. Just yeah. watching it for the first time. Well, I think it's even better, right? Because you get a fresh experience. I've probably watched it through conservatively 20 times. <gasps> oh, my show. gosh. Oh. Um, well, it, see, in, in my defense, right, um, the school that I went to, Evangel University, I'm just going to say it, in Springfield there, it's a very conservative Christian college. And we had cable, but we had a very specific cable package. Ah. And one of the channels that we were allowed to get was ABC Family. Mm-hmm. And they had Girl More Girls on if I remember correctly, I think it was 10 to 11 and then like four to five. So they had like two episodes on every day. And my schedule allowed me to sit and watch it. Both of those time periods, a, because I didn't have a life. (laughs) I scheduled scheduled my life in such a way as to be available. And so the first time I watched it, I watched it on ABC family and I got super obsessed. And then if I remember correctly, I think it was either my sophomore or my junior year of college, I ordered the complete series from like some shady Chinese website <laughs> <laughs> and got it shipped to me. Um, and, and I think it was in fact, I think it even came like airmail or something. I had to go down to the college post office and sign for it. And like, because it was a private Christian college, they thought it was like something from missionaries. So they were like, Oh, just be real careful with it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I know exactly what it is. That's fine. So I took it back to my, to my room and watched it through many, many, many times. Once I own the DVDs and I actually still have them and watch them a lot. And um, now that I've seen it so many times, it just kind of, I can just pick an episode at random and it just kind of calms me down. Like if I'm feeling anxious or nervous about something, it's just a, um, it's like a friend, you know, it's just there for you when you need it. And do you, do you have a show or a movie like that, Anne? That I just sort of stick on in the background? Yeah. Um... I'm sure that I do. I can't think of one right now. I don't personally, but I have a few friends that are extreme introverts and they have to have it. And my, um, my best friend growing up, she has all of the Roseanne's, um, taped (laughs) from TV and I've, I've bought her the DVDs before and she's like, no, I have to watch it because even the commercial breaks have been built into her like well, I would imagine the commercial breaks are part of the fun of that. Yeah. Oh, well, now they are, you know, right? Because they're so yeah. retro. But she has to watch them on these, like, and you know, it's a terrible version because it's on VHS tapes. So yeah. it's VHS tapes of TV, um, but she has to watch those certain ones in the exact same order. It's, it's well, strange. That's I, getting a little pathological. I know, I know right? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't have to watch them in order. I'm not that one. <laughs> Well, it's just a little Gilmore Girls like roulette. Just drop in and see what you find. I I think that I would say that the closest I come is old episodes of Friends when they show them in syndication. Like I don't have any of the mm-hmm. seasons of Friends or anything, but when they would show them here at like ten thirty at night on one of the marginal channels, I always 
used to put them on just like when I'm getting ready to go to bed. And that that's comforting. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, Catherine, it's really yeah. sort of accompanying yeah. the end of my night. I would say yeah. I'm with friends in Seinfeld that way. Mm. Well, I think those are good shows to do that too because it doesn't seem like there's a real huge overarching plot. Right. Exactly. <laughs> there true. isn't. You can, just, <laughs> you can just kind of be like, well, this is the one where this happens, where no one's ready or whatever, that famous yeah. episode of Friends. And that really could be anywhere in the series. Yeah, mm-hmm. And um, um, with the terrible laugh tracks on both shows, you know when yeah. to laugh. Someone tells you to. So, yeah. <laughs> So, Catherine, are you excited about the Netflix Gilmore Girls mini movies? I am super excited. Um, I was doing a daily countdown on my Facebook, which is that's probably how you saw that. Um, <laughs> and I think today actually marks like 75 days until um, it debuts. But um, I don't know. I haven't been getting that wild and crazy. I would say if I could ask for that day off of work, uh-huh. I totally would. <laughs> But my boss would probably be like, um, you need it off for what? <laughs> you can just um, accidentally be sick. Yeah. <laughs> well, I work in retail and that's Black Friday. Oh, so, oh no. You know, yeah. unless, you're, unless you're like on your deathbed, I'm sure I'll still have to work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I hear you. Sister. This is Anne's first year not having to do it. I yeah. know. It's crazy. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll just have to go to the mall with all the other crazies. Or watch Gilmore Girls, you know, and tell everybody about it. That's true. So from from your reaction, I'm assuming that you would want to just binge them all straight away, not like savor them and draw it out. I think, yeah, I'm thinking four in a row, you know, mm-hmm. just one, two, three, four, done. Um, mainly because I want to know a couple of questions answered. I want to know who Rory ends up with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very much Team Logan. I don't know where you fall in that spectrum, but I'm very much Team Logan. Okay. Um, I want to know how Paris's life turned out. Mm. Um, you know, does she marry Doyle? Do they have kids? And if so, are they wild and crazy? Um, and I want to know where Luke and Lorelai are, right? Because that's an important question. It kind of insinuated at the end of the series. I'm sorry, Christy, spoilers. No, you guys um, are spoiling this all over the place. <laughs> It kind of been thing where that they got back together. And so I kind of want to see what that looks like. And they've been teasing on the Facebooks, right, that there's going to be a kiddo or a to-be kiddo mm. um, for one of the Gilmore Girls. So I don't know if that's Rory or if that'd be Lorelai. Um, I want these questions answered. And I don't want to wait. I want to know <laughs> the answers. I think that's very so. reasonable of you. Yeah. Um, will it make you jealous if I tell you that my brother works for Warner Brothers and they have been filming the Gilmore Girls on the lot there, and he walks past it all the time. So does he know how it ends? No, they're pretty strict when they're actually there filming. But he can go onto the sets like Miss Patty's and the gazebo. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm, I'm quite jealous, actually. Yeah, me too. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we could make this whole show about the Gilmore Girls if we wanted to. (laughs) There was actually a podcast that I was listening to called The Gilmore Guys. In which two guys were watching the episodes and talking about them. Um, I didn't particularly like their their critique, so I kind of gave up on the the podcast. But um, yeah, I think it's doable. So now I need to get back to to watching them so that I can catch up. Yeah, to be caught up. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, it's 75 days. Okay. It's doable. <laughs> 75 days. I love that you know that. <laughs> uh, Christy, what else do we need to know from Catherine? I don't know. Or Catherine, can we go what? into her interview, her TBTL interview? Or do you sure. need more? Um, is there anything else you want us to know about you, Catherine? I don't know. I don't think okay. so. Oh, I did want to mention. That sounded mysterious. I'm sorry. I didn't. <laughs> I did want to mention that you are definitely a Catherine and not a Kate. Cause I am definitely a Catherine yeah. and not a Kate. Yeah. Yeah. I said I wouldn't have been a Kate either. I probably would have yeah. been a Katie. Yeah, that makes like sense. Said, yeah. Like I said, like, it goes to cat. It's either cat or it's Catherine. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's how it goes. See, cat's fun. Yeah. I feel like Kates are more put together than I could ever be. <laughs> yeah they're too fancy <laughs> okay let's see let's are you ready for your 10 interview i am ready okay how did you find the show okay kind of a long story i was thinking about this um when i was young um middle of nowhere kansas at my dad's house i would listen to npr and specifically, I would listen to car talk, which is weird for a small child, mm-hmm. but I would do it. Um, and so I love car talk. And when I got to college, you know, iTunes was fairly new. Well, it's probably not as new as I thought, but it was new to me. And I'm, just, I'm looking at it out. I'm like, oh, car talk podcast, right? So I started listening to car talk podcast. And I'm like, what else is out there? And so I started listening to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Got kind of obsessed with it. Um, and listened to it probably couple years maybe and um luke would be on and he'd you know have the promo for tbtl and i'm like i don't know what that is sounds weird and finally (laughs) finally i decided i was gonna listen to it and started listening to it and i listened to it i think for two or three weeks i was not a very heavy podcast listening to at that point i think i was listening to car talk and wait wait don't tell me i think that was it and um it was weird to be telling I think it was, if I had to place it in a timeline of TVTL, I think it was when he was podcasting alone. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very, it was very strange. And I remember Jen being on occasionally, and I remember um, Sean being on occasionally, but it was mostly him talking. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like, you know how podcasts just kind of pile up? And I think I had like a whole month piled up. And I had listened to him like, eh, should I give up? And then I think I decided to give it one more chance. And I listened to a podcast one episode and like I was hooked. And I've listened to it like every day since then. Um, and I, I can't tell you what happened during that podcast that made me be like turn around on it. Mm-hmm. But it just, it was such a great episode, I guess. So, so sorry, that was a long story. No, I that's apologize. Not too long. Um, and <laughs> what, do you know which episode turned you into a 10? Um... I think it was a gradual process, to be totally honest with you. I really was enjoying the show, and I, I think I listened to it maybe a year and a half, and I had listened to two, um, oh, what's it called, where they asked for money, um, TV telethons, mm-hmm. and finally, went, like, I just was like, you know what, I am a 10. I'm going to donate, and so I decided to donate, and then I think I got a, pers- a certain amount of personal um, ownership, maybe, mm-hmm. of the podcast, and I felt like I was a 10 from that point on. Um, oh, let's see. And have you had any TVTL appearances? I have had two questions that I wrote on TVTL as advice givers on the show. Mm-hmm. And I guess I did have my name announced as a donator, but I don't, 
I don't consider that. But the two questions I had were, um, it was shortly after the page was started. Um, I had a, what I thought was potentially a sinus infection. And I had, I had asked, you know, at what point do you go to the doctor? Um, I didn't have health insurance. I still don't. Um, because it's way expensive, even with Obamacare or whatever. Um, And so I was just trying to get some advice. And um, the tens are really nice. And they said, well, if you've got a sinus infection, don't mess with it. Go to the doctor. You know, buck it up. Um, Because it can kill you Mm -hmm. if you don't don't take care of it. Um, And the second one was fairly recently. I I just got a new car. Yay! Mm -hmm. And um, I was trying to determine how many shopping bags to put in my car. (laughs) Which I still never never got a good answer, by the way, guys. Oh, Um, that was just really (laughs) recent, that question. Yeah, yeah. It was like, I've I've had my car, I think, less than two months. So, yeah, it was was sometime in the last couple months. Yeah. So... Yeah, I got a lot of very varied answers, but no one no one said, well, here's how many, and this is why. I mean, somebody said, well, you have one that you take your booze in, which I don't buy booze, mm-hmm. so whatever. And then you have you have five to stay in the car and five to stay inside, but no one gave me the same answer. So I think everyone's system is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. No matter how what? many but, I have in my car, I always forget them when I go in the store. Yeah. <laughs> well, I... I have a few of those bag goo bags that fold into a bag and then like I keep them in my purse. So those work nice, but they don't, they don't hold like a ton of stuff either. So mm-hmm. like if I'm doing a hardcore shopping trip, it's not enough for what I Do you guys need. have this thing where your plastic bags aren't allowed in your city? No, mm-hmm. not at all. Mm-mm. In fact, I think you can, I think you could go and buy a single piece of gum somewhere and get a plastic bag for it. Absolutely. Do you have this thing where they charge you for the bags? No. Unless you go to Aldi's, which is at one of the grocery stores that I frequent, um, they will charge you for bags there. It's This is a Seattle thing where you'll go to a grocery store and buy a bunch of stuff and they'll say, well, do you need a bag? No, I'm going to carry this out piece by piece. Of course, <laughs> I want a bag. Even if you go clothes shopping. So if you go to like an Old Navy... Really? Yeah. Wow. And you buy a bunch of stuff, they well, ask you for a bag. That makes a lot of sense because it seems like every time that Old Navy has a large sale, which I don't live in a town with an Old Navy, so it's kind of like a jaunt for me to go to Old Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like every time they have a big sale, they're giving away some sort of tote bag. Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. It's mm. just, I don't know about bringing bags into stores as yeah. a longtime retail employee. You, it seems shady. You, um, you keep an extra eye on people who bring outside bags into the store. That, and that's true, especially a large bag like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just charge you 10 cents per bag if you want to. So do you just pay it or what do you do? You just have to pay it. Weird. Or carry all your items out in your hands. Have you ever been like, oh, crap, my bag's in the car. Hang on, I'll be right back. I haven't done that because I will just pay the 10 cents rather than be that person. But I have been in line behind that person. <laughs> I think I'm cheap enough that I think I would be that person. <laughs> I would think to myself, 10 cents adds up. I could buy pop or I could buy this or I could buy that. Well, mostly I... what I actually do is don't shop in Seattle whenever possible. Just don't shop in the city limits. Because oh. every other city, like the where I live, they give plastic bags for days. I actually had a business idea where I would go to right at the border of Seattle and stand out at grocery stores and sell people plastic bags. And you probably make a buttload of yeah, money. Yeah, because they're that. illegal. And th- so the thing yeah. is that they're really good for like cat litter 
mm-hmm. uh, doggy bag, like picking up poop um, mm-hmm. for tra- like your like little garbage can liners. Mm-hmm. So they're they're multitasking, right? And well, and that's that's what I always do in our house. Like, um, you know, they just go into the bottoms of trash bags and things. Right. So. Um, sorry that you gotta have some on hand <laughs> oh, okay so what is your favorite drop hmm that's a new question i'm trying to think um it's a hard question is what it is <laughs> i have and what's yours i don't know <laughs> you know i i will say that um whenever i think about this question the the one that comes into my mind is so stupid but it's the um it's the rollo one Rolo Brown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. Something something for your Rolos. <laughs> I I think if I had to say the one that makes me laugh every time they play it is the one they say I was drunk or I only had twelve beers or whatever. <laughs> um I actually referenced that with somebody the other day and again they gave me the weirdest look ever. Oh. But it just cracks me up cracks me up every time i think my favorite um i i also think that there's different like you can say radio days this one or like an old timey one that they don't really play anymore versus a new one or whatever um always forever my favorite one is the little girl saying did you poop (laughs) (laughs) and just the whole like the extended clip of the story where she's calling her dad and asking the dog if he pooped and he gave her like a little look she loved it <laughs> and so much that she had to call her dad to tell him. Um, that's fun. That's really cute. Yeah. Okay. So why does TBTL matter to you? Well, I think it's more the TENS community that matters. Because um, I feel like since I joined the STEMS page, and honestly, even since you guys started this podcast, I feel like um, I've made a lot of internet friends. Mm-hmm. You know, people that I'm friends with on Facebook that I will probably never meet in my life. Like I'm thinking specifically of a friend. Um, I think her name is Erica Vanover. Mm-hmm. Hopefully sure, I'm okay. saying her name mm-hmm. wrong. But she posted, she, we are friends on Facebook and she's a fellow 10. Never met her. We both love cats. So whenever I post any cat related things, she's always liking it on my Facebook page. It makes me feel happy. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I have a friend out there in the world yeah. who appreciates what I like. So, so have you, have you ever gone to any of, live events or anything i have not um mike actually invited me to come to the 2000th mm-hmm. episode party <laughs> in texas um but it was kind of like bad timing um if i remember correctly i had to be at work like at eight o'clock the next day and it's about a 12 hour drive to texas oh. and it mm-hmm. wasn't going to work for me um and i had thought about going to the live show there in um minnesota mm-hmm. but my car i had at the time um didn't trust it and i probably shouldn't have either trusted it mm-hmm. to go to minnesota and back so um didn't really um did that wasn't really conducive either and if i remember correctly, i think there was something going on that week in my life i don't remember what it was so but... now that you have this fancy new car um mm-hmm. would you go to the twin cities if there's another show i probably would actually okay. yeah all right well then we'll see you there Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and there's other cantons. So if I, you know, if I was going to go, I'd probably invite one of them to go with me. Um, like, I think there's a, there's a lady who lives down by Wichita. Her name is Patricia Middleton, I think. Um, I'd, I'd probably invite her or, 
for other people. Yeah, maybe you could get a big carpool. Yeah. Or a small carpool, depending very on small. Small your car, car is. Yeah, it's, and my car is not very big. It's a Nissan um, Versa Note, so like hatchback sized. But I read, like somewhere, fit I read somewhere that your car is bigger on the inside. It is quite bigger. <laughs> it's it's actually very roomy. <laughs> I sat in the back seat of it, and you know, you never sit in the back seat of your car. I'm like, my right. goodness, there's all kinds of space back here. Um, but probably no one will ever sit in the back seat of my car because no one ever rides with me. So. <laughs> Yeah, I never worried about it and until very occasionally my brothers will come home and ride with me in their 6.5 and 6.6. Six. Mm-hmm. And when they got in the back of my old car, I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just crunch, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right, right, shall we, we go to the clip? Sure. Let's do that. All right. So this clip is from really early on in the show's history. It's from January 31st, 2008. So the show hadn't even been on the air for a month yet. Can I see how I found it? Yes, yes please do. Okay. I um, One of the things that I really liked about um, the episodes that I listened to initially um, was the Oscar shows that they were doing. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go into the archives and type in, um, I don't know if I typed in Tom Tagney or Oscars, but I listened to all of the Oscars shows and that's how I found this. And I just loved it so much. Uh-huh. The archive, the one that we're building or like, no, no, the old one the old on one. Uh, my Northwest.com. Yeah. Using the, like I said, I was using the keyword either Oscars or Tom yeah. Tagney. I'm not sure which uh-huh. one. You you mean the the archives that really no longer exist yeah. on my R.I.P. So sad and gone uh, forever. The other interesting thing I think to note before we listen is that this is one of the rare Luke free episodes. Yeah, this is uh, Jen and Sean hosted mostly Jen with as you said uh, guest Tom Tagney. And it's a great clip, so let's take a listen, and then we'll come back and talk about it. This is TBTL with Luke Burbank on News Talk 710 Cairo. When you're walking down the street and you see a little ghost, what you gonna do about ghost pasta? Drunk people are so meta. Nobody buys me. Nobody buys me either. I started trembling and I turned into a gremlin. I made pancakes for dinner last night. I don't even know what that means. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Run! I, I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. You are listening to Too Beautiful to Live on 710 Cairo. Uh, Luke Burbank, my host, the captain of this Millennium Falcon, is in Chicago hosting Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me for NPR. So he's being fancy and slow talking and deep. And I'm not, of course, because as he pointed out last night, I love the notebook and anybody who loves the notebook isn't very smart. I think he actually said those words. So I am here, and we're going to talk movies this hour. And Sean, are you going to help me if I start talking too fast? That's my biggest fear about yes, hosting. Yes, I will. Uh, 
I will definitely let you know. I want to be laconic and like Luke. I want to like lay okay, back. You got to lean back in your chair. No, I can't you do it. Grab, it feels like bad posture. You got to grab your mic. Gra- like he does? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, we'll see how I do, but you just give me an on-air warning if I'm not doing well. You got I it. am joined by 710 Cairo film critic Tom Tangney. And Tom, I think when you managed the varsity on <laughs> University Avenue, do you ever remember throwing out a girl who was booing the movie Popeye? No, I was not. I was not there when Popeye was playing. Okay. Unfortunately, was that you? That was me. Oh, and I was having <laughs> a rough time. And you were booing it. I mean, like I was upset end? that Sweepy or... was in danger. I was young, <laughs> <laughs> and Sweepy was in danger, and I didn't feel like Popeye was going to save her. And Shelley Duvall is just scary. And I was having a complete breakdown. How old were you? Seven. Uh, ten, maybe. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yes. And my cousin, Corey, was on a date, and my mom made him take me. And I didn't get to oh, sit with them. Yeah. I had to sit in the row in front. So I'm all alone, and Sweepy's in danger because there was, like, a sea monster. I don't even remember. <laughs> so Sweepy was in danger, and I was like, no, Papa, save Sweepy. And all of a sudden, my cousin kind of hit me on top of the head, like, shut up, you know. And then the, uh, the manager came in and said, I think you'd be happier in the lobby. And I spent the rest of the movie in the lobby waiting for my cousin eating free popcorn maybe did he, uh, did he... i think i did get yeah free popcorn. that's very smart mm-hmm. that there's a good manager mm-hmm. you know he solved a problem and made you happy to boot i was also asked to leave the wrath of khan because i started screaming when the little bug started crawling in his ear i was too young to see that as well <laughs> yeah that is funny i'm glad i don't go to movies with you what an embarrassment how does your husband do it i know well and i get really involved and like in recently when i went to see charlie wilson's war I loved it. Yeah. It was my favorite movie of the year. I told you that. Wow. So it was my favorite movie. And at the end, I was really taken up with it. And so I stood up and I said, Oscars for everyone. <laughs> oh, man. And people in theater, like, booed me. <laughs> it was awkward. Are you sure you didn't show up as Drunk of the Week when you got <laughs> That sounds like appropriate behavior. I am really meta. You <laughs> yeah, might not know that. I'm sure. That, I've heard that about you. <laughs> yeah. So you're in here to talk with me about movies. And I thought we would actually start with the... Um, Best Picture nominees. Yeah. And I think you are going to be really proud of me. I told people at the beginning of the show that you and I have basically been having the same fight for two years, (laughs) which is that you, this is what I think the fight is. Yeah. You want all movies to end in an ambiguous fashion where you don't really know what happened. You don't really know what's going to happen, but you're pretty sure it's bad. (laughs) I object, Your Honor, to that characterization. But I do think that... um, Things with ambiguous endings tend to be richer, but not, but not always. I mean, they can be cop-outs. They can be, somebody can create this great mystery and then say, oh, I can't figure it out. And then they leave it open-ended because they, it's a, you know, a failure of imagination. But in general, yeah, I don't like pat, and they tend to be, when, when endings are pat, they tend to be happy endings. Not always, but most of the time. And that makes me a little suspicious, which is interesting, you know, about, I feel that that's the problem with a very good movie that I think it falls just short of being a great movie, Michael Clayton, which I thought you told me earlier was your favorite film of the year. Is Charlie Wilson's War your favorite film uh, of the year? Michael Clayton is second, only okay. because of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman lifted <laughs> wow. Charlie Wilson's War to first place. He, oh, he is good. I mean, that is a, that's a terrific performance. But He's my, better than Tom Hanks and Julie I know. Roberts. 
but see, then that gets in the way of a good movie, I think, is if the supporting actor is so good that he dominates, it, it makes you a little... It's it's like a, I saw one of the greatest performances I've ever seen on stage down at the Ashland uh, uh, Shakespeare Festival was in Othello, where Iago was so good, Othello was like an afterthought. Well, that's, oh, that's it's bad. like that's a great performance, and it's a very memorable one, but in terms of the play, it doesn't quite work, you know? You're, you're right. mourning the loss of Iago more than you are of Othello. That's so. like if the inspector is better than Jean Valjean. You got <laughs> yeah, trouble. Uh, that's if good. Javert is yeah. like who you're rooting for. But the thing is, and the funny thing is, and guess what? My favorite character in Les Mis is, of course, Javert. I uh. love him. <laughs> oh, my God. His pain and anguish is so powerful. I will tell you, though, my favorite character is Fantine, who's a bad woman. Oh, and, well. of course, when I read that in high school, I wasn't sure what a bad woman meant. <laughs> yeah. No, it's prostitute. <laughs> the P word. She's just bad but, somehow. Yeah, but the thing is, she is. Yeah, I see. But she isn't. I mean, yeah, you know, she's a oh. mother. She, you know, her, her. she's heartfelt and all that. So, but oh, I love that Javert. If I want, if I could, you know, be in that, be singing that musical, that's the part I would want. Oh, I just think he's got the the best. I would stuff. go see that. <laughs> yeah, I bet she would. I like that and, idea. And you could be Fantine. Now we just got need to find a Colm Wilkinson stand, and, and we're we'll ready be to set. Go. Yeah. Okay, so I want to start by talking about uh, No Country for Old Men. Okay. This is what I took from that movie: evil will always win. Yes. So good men should just give up. <laughs> and let evil win. Is that what you took from that movie? Well, the thing is, you, you got the first part absolutely right. It's the implacability of evil. I mean, it is that, that Javier Bardem's character, he is relentless. You, I mean, it doesn't matter what you do to him. You can't stop him. And that's the one thing about that movie. I think it's, it's a kind of a, I don't know, realistic might be the wrong word, but they're believable characters, except he is a mythological character. I mean, he is like evil incarnate, and there's no way to stop it. It just, it, it's relentless and it comes after you. However, I think that you're getting the wrong message out of that. It's sure, evil may in the end, win out but like with all of us we are all going to die does that mean we shouldn't live as best we can until we die no and so for me look at look at Llewellyn Moss played by Josh Brolin fantastic uh -huh. performance I think uh -huh. what does he do Tries he to steal finds... money the whole freaking movie. <laughs> well, he finds it. You know, finders keepers. It's not like he... he, he... You were that kid. <laughs> no, good to no, know. No. Actually, no, no, no. I, I, I was very much the good kid. I'm the oldest, and I, you know, most of my uh, my moral compass is based on, okay, what do my parents want me to do? And that's what I tend to do. And I'm not okay. really a good bad boy. But he does. It is true. He makes a fatal error early in the movie. He takes that stash. Now, the thing is, if, some, if you had $10 million that you could walk away with, or $2 million, I mean... The, that was the moral error. I think the yes. fatal error was going back to bring the water. To bring the water, yeah. I know. And why did he do it, though? See, to me, that is a character... You know, and even at the time, he tells his wife. He says, okay, listen, honey, I'm going to go do some dumb, something dumb right. right now, and if I don't come back, say hi right. to my mom. And did he and, forget his mom was dead? I yeah. didn't get that. Is that just Cormac McCarthy being I, clever? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that... I, mean, I think it's clever, but it, it has a nice kind of beat. It's not being clever, ha-ha. It's just being kind of clever, morose. Right. Which I think it, it rings sort of sort of true, you okay. know? that. But anyway, yeah, the thing is that what he does... And this was fun when Josh Brolin came to town. I asked him about that. I said, listen, how do you see your character? Are you in, Are you just dumb? Or did you do something stupid and then you paid for it and that's the whole point of the movie? He says, no. He says, listen, I fight I fight the good fight the entire way. And just because it doesn't end up the way I want doesn't mean the fight wasn't worth fighting. And he is in some ways a noble character. He is compromised, but he's a noble character okay. in that he confronts you know, okay. the evil as best he can. Then I can see why that's what you got out of it because I thought that the only noble character was Tommy Lee Jones. Yes, well, and I felt like he was a real quick 
<laughs> yeah, but he's lived a hard, long, hard life before he quits. But you're right. He, I think, is the if the movie has a, uh, a sort of a um, if someone's speaking for Cormac McCarthy, I think it's the Tommy Lee Jones character. And he looks back at life and says, you know, life wasn't nearly as bad when I was a young man. Now it's it's much right. worse. But that is that's true of every generation. Right. We that all was think, very powerful. I yeah. like that. And that's how the movie ends. Yes. He's like that middle. Yeah. You've got you've got Javier Bardem is evil on one side. You've got uh, Josh Brolin is the guy who's trying to, you know, get what he can. Tommy Lee Jones is sort of like the judge and jury. I mean, he's kind of like sitting back looking at man, life's bad. <laughs> you know, this is this is really tough. And he and he's a tired man at the end so i mean it is okay. it's not a cheery movie in the least it's and the, you really liked it yeah i mean i think it's a fantastic movie in fact i am absolutely ecstatic that this year the two leading films for best picture are are two great movies that rarely happens you know i mean they, i think they are both fantastic movies now you know it's funny right now in the critical community among uh, film critics across the country hands down no country is considered the best movie i'm a little out of the uh, out of step because i think there will be blood actually has more dynamism than uh, no, no country but No Country critically is just really across the board. I think uh, there have been uh, like 250 uh, top 10 lists come out, and it's number one on like half mm -hmm. of those. It's, it's just incredible. So it really is acknowledged in the uh, uh, sort of the critical community. And then now by Hollywood as well for the Oscars. That's stunning. It's very rare when a movie that dark, or if by some miracle there will be blood gets it, a, a movie that dark could win Best Picture. Yeah, that's really something. And it might it might not happen. Well, I actually I... I actually agree with you that if if my choices if my only choices were <laughs> yeah. there will be blood and No Country for Old Men, I like there will be blood better. Ah, but okay. well, so Sean, let's take a break. You're listening to News Talk 710 Cairo, TBTL, MyNorthwest.com, or TBTL.net. We'll be right back. You're listening to Too Beautiful to Live on 710 Cairo. This is Jennifer Andrews filling in for Luke Burbank, who is in Chicago. And he will be joining us in the 9 o'clock hour. But I am joined with Tom Taney, the 710 Cairo uh, movie critic. And we're going through the Oscar nominees. That song is falling slowly from the movie Once, which Tom, I notice, is on your best of list. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, the thing is, I think Once is one of those movies that uh, I can recommend that to just about anybody and everybody. I mean, I've got snooty film critic friends, and I've got people that, you know, can't imagine ever sitting through a movie that has anything downbeat or, you know, in it or a subtitle. But, I mean, that's a movie. I've, I've recommended that movie to more people this year and i haven't had anybody come back and say man you really steered me wrong i love once it was i ended up being my third favorite film of the year and you know we're talking about oscar um, nominations i'm really happy uh, as a rule uh, how the oscar nominations came out this year but the one if the one slight to me was once i think once should easily be in the top five films of the year i think not only that song but you know we were laughing about it earlier because i know you're a big fan of enchanted enchanted got three songs nominated i, w I don't understand why the entire every single one of those once songs isn't on there it's it's spectacular, and I think that that particular song, Falling Slowly, it, th that scene in that movie is like the best rendition of how music can sort of, you know, creating magic out of out of nothing is just, it's a phenomenal scene. It's similar yes. to, and even better than the Hustle and Flow song where they get together and they all, you know, sort of a Terrence Howard sings together, which I think is a is a nicely done song, uh, nicely done scene. This, I think, is, is the best part on. I loved that movie. It was really good. I agree. I actually really enjoyed it as well. And I didn't know anything about it going in. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was just one that I heard, you should see this, and so I did, and I loved it. So it was really good. Uh... Speaking of robbed, yes, I have some people that I think were robbed, and I want to see what you think. Yeah, Leslie Mann in Knocked Up. 
Now, is she the uh, sister? sister? Yeah. Oh, I think she's very good. I really like her. She's she actually was my favorite character in that in yes. that movie. Now, I think that's right. You know, a, a lot depends on how much you like that movie. Now, again, I've got some friends, serious critical, you know, type friends who think it was on their top ten. I mean, they just they absolutely love that movie. I thought I, I liked it actually more than Forty Year Old Virgin, but I didn't love the movie so much. So it's it's a little it's a little odd for me to pick that performance out, which I think I mean you couldn't falter for it. I mean she's as good as you can get, and I think it's, it was a very well written part. But I mean I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I'd have to I don't have the list in front of me of, of other supporting actresses right. that oh, you have do. to knock out. Oh good. Well then who would you knock out um, from that category? Uh, I would ru- I would knock out Ruby D. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I don't I, understand yeah. that. Well, she didn't do one thing come that was interesting. Aussie Davis just died. She's been in the business for a hundred and you know thousand years. And the <laughs> thing is, I mean, it's a great way to honor. Her. I mean, I think that's why she won the SAG Award just the other night. I mean, she won. It, it's like it's like a Beatrice straight roll from Network. It's like it's like two minutes long. I mean, there's yeah. like nothing to it. But I think it's a way to honor a great actress. I mean, believe me, it's not easy to make it as an actor in any in any kind of a you know world. But to be a black actress and I mean the the fight that she and Ossie Davis had had to go through I think it's a great honor but you're right I think it just in terms of acting um, you know now, for me with the supporting role there has to be a moment where they really got me yeah and let me say that there's a moment when Leslie Mann turns to her husband played by Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd. and you know she's been the shrew the whole movie and she says you don't have to yell to be mean and I mean, I got chills when she said that, <laughs> yeah. and I kind of teared up a little bit. We all know how to be mean without just yelling. Yeah. She's been yelling and being true, but he's yeah. been being mean yeah. with her neglect of her. And it was really, it moved me. Yeah. And then she has a breakdown when she doesn't get into the club, and she realizes that she's old. Yeah. And that she's not young and hot anymore, <laughs> and she has a total breakdown. And that also really moved me because I'm 30, little, I'm about to turn 36, and I don't trip. think I can get into Medusa anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, you know, that's, and that's, that's the strength of movies like that and uh, Super Bad and these kinds of things. They're really kind of raucous, juvenile, you know, comedies, but they have some moments of truth that really ring true. And that's the way mm-hmm. I felt like with, with Juno, too. It may be all kind of hip and all this, but there are moments that just ring true that go, that cut straight to the heart. That's you know yes. that's that's a that's an excellent point. I think also you know comedic performances don't get recognized. It's it's kind of hard to uh, to, but Alan Arkin to justify. Did last year, there, Alan Arkin. Yeah, I know the thing is, and yeah, from from Little Miss Sunshine. But you know, I mean, I and I love Alan Arkin. I've loved him for for years. I wish he'd won for Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross again. I think Alan Arkin got that again because he's been a soldier in the field for years and years and years. He was uh, the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming. You know, I yeah. mean, it's like he's he's been around forever. So I think it was a kind of a career award. But you're right. Uh, occasionally, a, a comedic performance uh, wins, but it, it is a lot tougher, and you don't get as much notice. But I'm sure uh, Leslie would be happy to hear that you're promoting her. <laughs> now, her do you candidacy. have somebody? that you feel besides once? Well, the thing is, I've got a, I've got a couple I'd like to mention. Just first off, you know, uh, a lot of people don't think that kids deserve Oscars. And there's a part of me that understands that because sometimes uh, the craft of acting uh, isn't honed. And so you're either a natural or you're not. But I think the kid in Sweeney Todd and the kid in There Will Be Blood, who plays H.W., both were fantastic. The, the kid in Sweeney Todd is the, is the guy who sings in this angelic voice, first as a Pirelli's um, uh, sort of flack guy 
guy. And then um, finally with uh, with um, Helena Bottom Carter, you know, nothing's going to harm you, not while I'm around. And he's just got this golden voice. And that it's like character- the one Sondheim song that has yeah. a tune. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. It, the thing is, it's not a, it's not a, it, it's not a kind of an obvious tune. Every one of those. thing is, I can sing practically anything that Sondheim's written. And, it's, and it has to be because of, there's a tune there. But it's a much more subtle tune. It isn't da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Right. I mean, so I, I would argue with you on that. But let's not get, okay. uh, get uh, distracted on that point. The thing is, uh, about that, that part is normally played by like an adult, you know, who's playing like a kid, but he's kind of like a maybe a uh, um, a young adult who isn't quite all there. Well, this time to actually cast a kid as in that part is kind of interesting. And the other kid in There Will Be Blood, the guy who plays H.W., you know, and he goes, yes, oh, he is amazing. so good. And he's he's there. And I mean, Dylan he, something. He's yeah, great. he has some lines, but mostly he's just and he's got this cherubic look and he's it's perfect. The way he deals with his dad and the way his dad abuses him and loves him, you know, practically mm-hmm. at the same time when he comes back and he hits him those two performances i think are, are really fantastic and and i understand why they didn't get nominated they haven't really you know earned right. their way but i think they're both very good okay we better take a break uh you're listening to seven talk seven what are we listening to news talk 710 <laughs> cairo and we'll go to the news and we'll be right back with tom tangney on the move luke burbank it's not enough to take the one you love for Listening to TBTL on News Talk 710 Cairo. Luke is in Chicago. This is Jen Andrews, his producer, filling in, and I am joined with Tom, joined by Tom Taney, who is our movie critic here at 710 Cairo. And that was How Do You Know, which is nominated for Best Original Song for the movie Enchanted. It's probably a good time to talk about Enchanted. Yes. Tom, what did you think? Well, the thing is, is that um, I know you sort of set me up um, in the break that I probably didn't like Enchanted, but I actually, I have two daughters. Uh, I, I grew up, I've seen Little Mermaid like a billion times and every one of those after. So I'm really quite familiar. You understand with... the rules of a Disney musical. Exactly. And so because of that, I do think it's a lot of fun and I didn't mind it. Now, I, the other thing is that, uh, unlike most guys I know, I actually like musicals. I mean, if they work, I, I have no problem with the suspension. I of saw that Moulin Rouge was on your That's best right. of I list. Love, I love it. I think it. it's a crazy movie, but I absolutely love it. So I am more open to that. This this is not a recommendation for you know people that don't like musicals or people that don't like don't like Disney to go see that. However, given given the framework, <laughs> you know, Amy is she's like a. She's like a cartoon come to life. I mean, yes. she really is. She has that kind of, that sort of absent but steely happiness, you know, on and her face the like entire time. And she does, like, interesting things with her fingers <laughs> yeah. as if birds are dancing on them. Uh, yes. I'm I mean, obsessed with her fingers in that movie. Is that right? Well, I'll have to, take a, I'll have to do a, another uh, go yeah. around with that. But the thing is, I mean, I think it's really a charming and enchanted and all this. I don't think it's to the level of, say, once. And I thought, I thought the song seemed... A kind of derivative. Now, that's part of the joke of the movies. Right. They're meant to be derivative, and you're kind of laughing at that. But, I, I mean, I, I think they could have been a little more inspired. That's why I think three songs for Best Picture might be a, a little much. excessive. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to try to play a sound clip that we love here on this show. I drink your milkshake. Such a great segue from Enchanted. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> to, to There Will Be Blood. There Will Be Blood, which I saw on Monday, so I can talk about it. 
You know, you are a credit to your uh, personality or your, to your... Because you know it was hard for exactly. me. Exactly. I was literally shaking when I came out of the theater. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I I think it's a quite a tribute to you that, to actually <laughs> see those kind of movies because everything about that movie goes against your... The reason you go to see movies. Yes. There's not one of those in, yes. in There Will Be Blood. So what do you want to talk about? Do you want, okay. to, you want to go first? Or? Okay. <laughs> I don't get it. Okay. I think that's my problem. I, I, I see it as a character study. Okay. And I can yeah. really appreciate that. And I absolutely believe Daniel Day-Lewis should win the Oscar. Yeah, I'm, okay, There's not even here, a question. Here, here. He was astounding. When he was doing the, the repenting in oh, front of the yeah. church. I've abandoned my, my child. child. I oh. mean, the, the, the passion, the commitment, yeah. it's amazing. He absolutely deserves to win. And it is a great character study. Okay. However, why would I want to study him? I, I don't understand the point of that movie. I don't understand. It, there wasn't even really plot. It's just, well, you know. Okay, now, for, now first off, uh, where I'm going to go with this, with your answer, doesn't make it a great movie, but I do think it gives it, it does answer your question. Okay, so great. what's going on besides this great character study? And a lot of people have kind of compared it to Citizen Kane. A guy who starts on his own, has incredible yes. ambitions, and those ambitions, he, the more he fulfills his ambitions, the harder it is for him to live his life. And it's just, a, it is a great character study. But I also think that it has a lot to do with maybe maybe this country maybe america the founding of it what are the two, what are the two um forces at war in this movie he is a capitalist he is an industry guy who wants to make money and so it's all about greed is the is the negative take on that but he's about he's a captain of industry he through the hard labor of him just working that first 20 minutes of the movie oh, where he does yeah. nothing but work in that little sliver of a mine shaft to find either gold or silver or oil he just works really hard and he pulls himself in effect metaphorically up by his bootstraps he becomes that well how does he get the land to become successful he has to barter he has to wager with what a religion Churchman. I mean, the thing is that he he ends up getting the land from this guy who is a preacher, played uh, by Bald Paul Dano, and he offers him five thousand dollars to get access to the land. And so he becomes, to me, they are like the twin pillars of American society: religion on one hand, one of the founding, you know, the founding fathers' image of you know what uh, mm -hmm. what this land is all about, and capitalism at the same time. And they are warring back and forth. And that's why there are all these confrontations that he has. Where And that's what's so fascinating about this. When Daniel Day-Lewis is confronted by uh, Paul Dano after he's had that initial uh, uh, hit of oil, Paul Dano comes up to him and says, okay, Daniel, where is my $5,000? Daniel Plainview is his name. Right. Where's my $5,000? And what does he do? Daniel, he just beats the crap out of him. He just he buries him in the mud. He says, I'm going to bury you. I'm going to bury you. And he's putting literally oil over him and stuff. It's like, yeah, he has the upper hand. And why is he mad at him because his son has just gone deaf because of an explosion and he says what you're those are that's who you should be saving why can't you heal my child if you're really about something you ought to heal my child and it goes back and forth and that's what this great scene where he said where he's repenting it, it turns out that the church has some land that he hadn't bargained for William Bandy's land that he left alone and Bandy says you have to join my church in order for you to get access to my land to build your pipeline it's gonna make you a, a million dollars so he ends up having to do that so then at that point the you know the preacher man has the upper hand right. and he is you know repent tell me tell us that you're you know all of your sins you're a backslider daniel you know Plainview. you're a backslider admit it i've abandoned my child and so at that point religion has the upper hand and he has to like suck up to the religious values and he doesn't mean it at all but he has that kind of and then the tables are turned i'm not gonna i don't give too much away but the tables get turned one right. more time 
And the key thing about that's that is... That's when the milkshake gets, gets drank, and, that, and it's a metaphor. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, I figured that out. Billion, and it, what's nice about that metaphor is that it's a straw. What he's done is he's used a pipeline to suck the land out from under the land you know, that, right. that he didn't have access to, and he says, it's like a milkshake. And if I ever... You have a milkshake, Jen, and I have a milkshake, and I've got a really big straw that can lean over, and I can suck your milkshake out from under you, you don't have any milkshake. I drink your milkshake. And again, it's a metaphor for what he's doing. He's doing to the religious values. Now, the interesting thing about this movie is they both are bankrupt. He has, I mean, he says, yeah, I, I, uh, I dedicate my life to God and I repent and all this, but he doesn't mean it for a second. And it turns out the religious guy is just as hollow. He's doing it to gain power and greed right. and, you know, gain money. So it's like a great critique of two, of two of the twin pillars of American society. And the third thing that actually is operating in that movie is family. Every time that Daniel Plainview goes crazy after, uh, um, the preacher is when his he's insulted for his family, like he's not treating his right. his uh, child right. He says, Don't you talk about my family? You know, a family. And I think there are three pillars now. It's not just capitalism. It's not just religion. It's also family and the commitment you have to family. And how dare you critique how I raise my child? Though, can you think of three more potent themes for American society than those three? There's a lot going on in that movie. Yeah. There so. was. Yeah. Okay. But it doesn't, you know, all those things could be going on and it could, and the movie could be lousy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a not a lousy movie. I was oh. actually riveted the whole time. I was really riveted. Excellent. I wow. just was disturbed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You don't go out whistling Dixie or anything else no. after that movie. No, you don't. <laughs> Uh, Juno, on the other hand, I really uh, did leave whistling Dixie. Yeah. If I knew how to whistle, which I don't. But I left in a great mood. Yeah. And I loved that song at the end by the Moldy Peaches, and it was just adorable, and I loved it. And I, the thing is, and I loved, I agree, Juno is on my top ten list. I was happy to see it get an Oscar nomination for Best Picture. I think it's this year's Little Miss Sunshine. I love it. And one of the things, that, that movie is so full of sweet little, you know, off notes. The way that movie ends... Where where they the two of them I mean they've now ha they now have a child together and yeah. all of this at the end they're sitting on their bikes you know <laughs> in front of that little you know almost like a uh, leave it to beaver kind yes. of house kind of sort sort of now let's kind of get to know each other it's so sweet oh, it rings yeah. so true and the thing is it's, it's like yeah they 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 did it all backwards mm -hmm. but the deal is I think there's more hope for that couple you know if you see yes. it as a couple than any other couple in any of the other movies of you know the entire year it's it's incredibly smart funny hip. And and honest, and that's the thing. That's as heartbreaking as any movie, you know, yeah. around. It just, and to me, being a parent, I like the parents the most. I knew that that movie, I was in good hands with uh, Diablo Cody, the screenwriter, when she she tells her parents, you know, what what you know that, that she was pregnant, and their reaction, because you know the classic scene of if a rebel without a cause and all that, they'd be outraged, yes. they throw her out of the house and all this. Instead, <laughs> it's the look on the fact that they cast J.K. Simmons, the guy who plays the the mean boss in all the Spider-Man movies, as the father. And he looks, he looks at her and, and, and uh, Alice and Janney yeah. looks at them and just, it's like, uh, this is, this is a universal experience, I think, for parents. When your kids do something like that, you know, or something that it's like you want to knock them upside the head. You're so mad at them. At the same time, your heart's breaking for them. Yeah. And you're just sort of torn. And you just, they played it so right. It's like, what the hell? I thought you knew. You know, I, I thought I knew you were the kind of girl that knew how to say when. And then her response is, I'm not sure what kind of girl I was. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so, that is so true. Even though it's done in the context of a comedy, it's so winning. Yeah. I, I, and that's how I felt about the scene at the end when, when Juno says to her boyfriend, friend, you're just always so cool and you don't even try. And he said, no, I was trying Believe really hard. <laughs> I know that is, that may be the best single line. And he says, uh, actually, I was trying very, very hard to be uh, cool. And the thing is, there's nobody less cool than him, too. That's what uh, I, it's I so love. Cute. You, you suddenly see him through her eyes, you know, mm -hmm. because as the dad says, I didn't know he had it 
hit him. He's like, that guy, you know? And then the mom says, she must have been, she must have put him up to it. There's no way he would have it. It's just, oh, it's, that is a very wise movie about yes, human relations at, at all different levels. It's going to be, I, I, I can't wait to see what else she does. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, because the hype is so big and she signed all these deals and I know she's already sold scripts. And uh, I can't wait to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's the it girl of sorts yeah. right now. So coming up next is our um, Defend Yourself okay. segment. And uh, what I will tell the listeners is Tom sent me his list of favorite movies, and I sent him mine. And so we are going to have a little discussion about our difference in movie taste. And I think you can tell it is vast. So, uh, Sean, we're going to go ahead and go to break, and we will be right back on News Talk 710 Cairo. I have- I love when Luke is gone and we can play Fleetwood Mac bumps, which I, of course, adore, and he doesn't like at all. So I appreciate that, Sean. This is TBTL on 710 Cairo, and uh, this is Jen Andrews, the producer, filling in for Luke, who's in Chicago doing an NPR show. I just want to remind everybody that uh, we did not solve our mystery this week. We tried to find Marurian, the YouTube sensation, and we did not find her, and we promised you your pizza is free, and we are going to deliver on that promise tomorrow night. TVTL will broadcast live from Zeke's Pizza at Denny and Fifth, right, right underneath the monorail. And if you are one of the first 180 listeners, and I believe we have quite possibly 180. I think we have exactly 180. Exactly. So <laughs> if all of you enough. come, the first 180 listeners, we are going to buy you a slice of pizza. So come down, see the show, have a good time. I hope you will all join us. TVTL at Zeke's Pizza. Go to our website, MyNorthwest.com. What's, that, it, what's that again? It's MyNorthwest.com. Okay. I feel like people aren't saying it enough. MyNorthwest.com. MyNorthwest.com slash TBTL. Or you can, of course, always find us at TBTL.net. So all the information is there, but I hope you will all come out to join us. The first 180 listeners to come, we will buy your pizza. So I'm talking to Tom Tangney, who's a 710 Cairo uh, movie critic, and I sent him a list earlier in the week of my favorite movies. And this is a... a section of our show that we call Defend Yourself. So, Sean, if you can pull up. <laughs> that is our, our sound effect for that. So, Tom, why don't you uh, come at me here? What, what horrifies you the most about my list? Okay, well, the thing is, I actually, I, I think, I know that we don't, we don't share the same sensibilities uh, when it comes to movies. So I was actually pleasantly surprised at how many quality movies made your list, none of which happened to cross over into my no, not top one. list. Not one, which I, of course, had never me. heard of <laughs> yeah, some, any some, of the yeah. movies on yours. Yeah, but you're in good company. I mean, that, that, you know, you asked me for my favorites. One did... of them has a word I don't even know, a Z and two <laughs> Nots? What is a knot? It's a zero. A zero. And a Z is a Z, and so it spells zoo, which is Peter Greenaway's film that actually part of it takes place in a zoo, and it deals with zoologists and everything else. It's it's one, it's my favorite film of the of, of all time, along with Barry Lyndon. I mean, those are the, the okay. two twin towers of my movie I am going to put but... that in my Netflix queue, oh. and I'm going to see it before I host again. I love Yeah, before you host and again. And you and I will discuss it. That would be a long time. I would, love, I would <laughs> love to have a discussion of a Z and two knots on the air or off the air, <laughs> but guaranteed. Okay, but there is one movie i was going through you know your movies and thinking well yeah they're, they're all pretty good and then luckily i found a movie that i absolutely despise it was my least favorite film of the year the year it came out a few years ago i think it's an outrage against all of cinema and i'm so happy that you chose to like the notebook <laughs> which to me is now and also i need to i need to fess up i uh live in a house with three women i've my wife and two daughters um we have a copy of the notebook it's probably been screened in my house 
you know, 10, 11, 12 I'm times. Sure. So if there is, are women in your house, this, the notebook is It's not screen. that I'm unfamiliar with this. <laughs> but the thing is, and part of my outrage started on this movie. It was the, uh, when it played as the opening night feature of the Seattle Film Festival. Now, you know, come on, there ought to yeah, be chances that was a bad idea. when I can be, you know, you can be snooty about your film taste. And the and Seattle International it. Film Festival should be it. And they chose that as the, I was... Oh, the outrage was uh, oh, was tremendous. Even, I can't even imagine. <laughs> so anyway. It should have been Sicko. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yes. I did see Sicko at the Seattle International <laughs> Film Festival, actually. So anyway. Uh, I so mean, let's... Joan Allen, Jenna yeah. Rollins, yeah. James Garner. Rachel McAdams, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, Gosling. What, how can you? How can you? Complain? Well, that's the thing, and that's the ultimate outrage: is that this movie has ruined so many good actors in in their <laughs> process. Here's the thing: this is a, this is a romantic movie. In, in case those of you who uh, aren't familiar with Jen Stace, you know, <laughs> if you hadn't suspected that, but it is it is not just cliched; it is like the most overwrought of romantic cliches. Guess what? A boy and a girl, they fall for each other. The boy's from the wrong side of the tracks. The girl's a little rich girl. She takes him home. She's so in love. And the parents disapprove. They don't like him. Yeah, they, they disapprove. He's not He's not right for her. We forbid you to see him. It Even is... though his dad is Sam Shepard. <laughs> yeah, and, he's a, and he quotes Yates. Yeah, that, yeah, that's right. Yeah, But see, that's that's a little too artistic. And this is this is really about, you know, the Southern industry and all of this. I mean, they, they really are. They're all about money. But the thing is, no parents. You know how we're talking about how sophisticated the parents are in Juno. They play it just right. Yes. These parents are not believable parents. They are caricatures well, of the, the South. mean that... father and the mean and the mean mother. Yeah, maybe so. As and then God they... is my witness. <laughs> I mean, that's what we do with the South. Yeah, well, the I know. It's exactly. Well, so, I mean, and I'm not a, I'm not a Southerner, but I should be outraged for the for the for the real Southerners <laughs> out there. Standing up for them. But then and so then and of course, Ryan Gosling being the bad boy but the well-mannered bad boy. You know, there's nothing bad about him except that he's just, he's from the wrong side he's of the tracks. He's poor. He's just poor. Yeah, that's right, which is the ultimate sin, I guess, and maybe just in the South. But so then he, like a good boy, leaves because he doesn't want to cause, and then it allows her to run out and say, oh, don't go, and she has this very, real tearful kind of thing. It's so excessive. It's so effusive. But are we running out of time? Because, we are out of time. Oh, my God, because the, the scene in the boat is the thing that drives me over the wall. They go out in this romantic Where he's super rowboat. hot. Yeah, wait, maybe he's super hot, but the thing that's the most amazing, they're not only two or three swans out in the water. They're like 500 swans. It's a miracle it of is. their love. And then the miracle turns because then there's an absolute downpour, the biggest downpour, the torrential downpour. Because they have to run and, and take off yeah, their clothes. Exactly. Huh? And then they say, and they can say, how come you never wrote me? I wrote you every day for 365 days in the year. I never seen one. And they have this clinch. Oh, my God. It this is isn't so over. Bad. This is never <laughs> over. That's it's the right. best line ever. <laughs> All right. You're listening to 710 Cairo. This has been Movie Talk with Jen Andrews and Tom Dangney. We're going to be back next hour and Luke Burbank is going to join us. He is the Han Solo of this Millennium Falcon. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be right back. Okay, ladies, before we get into the meat of the clip, I had a thought when I was listening to this, and that is, um, why do they never have a fill-in host for Luke? Like, Andrew goes to Cairo all the time to fill in for Jason Rance or on the Ron and Don mm -hmm. show. But on TBTL, they never had anybody come sit in on these times when Luke was gone. It was just Jen sort of stepping up. I And I can't imagine, you know, when you used to listen to the Andrew Walsh show, if uh, Andrew was out, would Nick Jaron have just jumped in the captain's chair? I thought it was a very interesting sort of thing about the show. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the Me ones too. where Jen hosts, though. Um, 
but I'm 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 a fan of Jen. Completely, yeah, me so too. I'm um, biased over here. I also think it's kind of weird that um, Luke just starts a new job and uh-huh. then takes a vacation. Not a vacation, like I mean, it's working, but right. he. Mm-hmm like basically calls in <laughs> well you wonder like what his deal is with the management there at cairo like i've got big new, big th- things to do here guys i have to leave at a drop of the hat to go do wait wait don't tell me mm-hmm. i love you i'm leaving right yeah. um and, ma- and then there are the trips to la which i don't think we can claim are work related no. and he would do the show remotely but still he wasn't there yeah yeah well and i wonder if that's how they kept it off the radar is oh we don't need a fill-in jen ah, jen will do it maybe sneaky sneaky and then she would just she would take over the hosting and then bring someone else in as the co-host uh-huh uh-huh kind of shoes but I like Chrissy, I you like, are smart. <laughs> I just am thinking like a scammer. <laughs> uh, so like Luke then, you know? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like Luke. <laughs> and Jen starts this clip by uh, saying that she has to remember to slow down, that that's what she's really worried about is talking mm-hmm. too fast. And I got to say, I was listening to this and trying to take notes. And between her and how fast Tom talks, I was like, ah, I had to like pause it multiple times because there's so much content in there well i think they're both just thinking so fast right they're just quick on their feet and moving from topic to topic to topic to topic um but i think that's one of the things i loved about this you know is um it seems more like a conversation between two friends mm-hmm. right than yeah. than maybe something they had written in front of them even so i don't know and jen and tom are such a good pair they're so great because yeah, they are I, so diametrically opposed in their movie tastes. But they're nice to each other. Right. Which I liked. Right. I was going to say, one of the things I've missed lately about TBTL is Tom Taney because I really, I really enjoyed all the shows he was on. Because like I said, I listened to them all. Yeah. His really voice good. is so great, too. I, uh-huh. I don't know why. It's just, it's just comforting. And I, I made a note while I was listening to this today is that they disagree on everything basically everything (laughs) but it's done with such great love and respect that i feel like everyone should disagree this way i mean when jen decides to start and she goes i think our b our argument is a is about this and then they never go back to it but um (laughs) i just thought that that was really that's a great way to come about talking about your differences is in my opinion our argument is about this Mm-hmm. And then you can come from that way. But <laughs> what was it that he loves bad things to happen to bad? Well, didn't he's that he wants movies to end ambiguously, right. mostly bad. <laughs> and and then Tom says ambiguous endings can be richer than pat happy endings. But he doesn't really dismiss pat happy endings either. Mm-mm. Like I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> And what does he mean by richer? I mean, what are the criteria for what leads to a richer ending? I don't, for Jen, it's clearly um, when the the heroine is rewarded with her hero or the bad guys get caught and punished. That's the rich ending to her. And it's totally different for Tom. I just think that Jen is a romantic. Yes. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> and she likes the story to be... Um, sealed up at the end. Yes. Nice little package. You know it's a thing. Even if it's terrible, 
at least you know what the outcome is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like a good, smart movie, too. But in the end, I'm looking for an emotional fulfillment, which is uh, sort of Jen's uh, criterion above all else. She's looking for emotional satisfaction. And you can't get that from uh, ambiguous endings. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see what else was on his list of favorite films other than that. Um, was it um... Zed? Zed and two knots. Two knots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Weird. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> accessible. <laughs> Quite. I love when she said, I don't even know one of these words. <laughs> it was so great. So do you guys, um, so listening to this, I wanted to watch all those movies again. They made, mm-hmm. they, I got excited about them all over again. Do you guys have, anything to do with the Oscars like do you watch them do you even care about them what what's your history with them um as I get older I care less Mm -hmm. I used to be really into it when I was in my teens and 20s but it just seems like we've had um awards show creep in the last 10 or 15 years, like now it's it's not just the Oscars, it's the Emmys and the Golden Globes and the SAG mm-hmm. Awards and the Directors Guild. And at some point, it kind of loses specialness for me. Well, and I think it's kind of, um, I agree. I, I haven't been as involved with it um, lately as I was when I was younger. But I think it, it loses something when you haven't seen all the films mm-hmm, either mm-hmm. that are being nominated. Like, I, listening to this, I think I, I had only seen... Um, I'm trying to think what they talked about. Um, I saw Enchanted. Mm-hmm. I actually saw that in a movie theater full of small children. <laughs> uh, not ashamed. And I saw Knocked Up and I saw Juno. And that was it. I had not I had not seen um, Once or No Country for Old Men or even Michael Clayton or Charlie War- Wilson's War. Um, so actually, I don't even know if I've seen Replicon. <laughs> 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 Or even, I, I definitely haven't seen Popeye. Um, but I, I enjoy conversations about movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I like watching movies. And I like um, listening to people talk about movies in a thoughtful way. Um, but the Oscars isn't that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, who wore everything pretty. Yeah. And mm-hmm. who sang the best song. So, like, I don't know. I think I'm kind of over the Oscars. But I enjoy conversations about movies. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. So, I used to see every movie nominated for at least the Oscar uh, or like the best the picture. Best picture. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then when they turned it to 10, that became a little too daunting. Yeah. Way too many. Way too many. And they they um, talked about this a little bit when they were talking about Ruby D, I believe, mm-hmm. is that uh, nominating someone for their body of work rather than the actual movie and how it robs right. other people. And that really makes me mad. I think that that happened with... Well, and this wasn't the first time either. Like, I think John Wayne, specifically, mm-hmm. my, my memory comes to the front. I think he won an Oscar for a movie that was absolutely terrible. But he had made so many movies at that point that he got an Oscar. Right. And mm-hmm. and then that so. takes away from the person who was really good. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that happens a lot. And it's, it's, it's annoying. And so then... Um, also just the whole how can you judge someone or two people that are in two different movies you can't really and then just um people starting to get snubbed makes me so angry like not just like i don't think everybody deserves an award but it seems i'm talking specifically about straight out of compton 
<laughs> that, yeah, I wish I never saw that. <laughs> that that didn't get anything, like no nominations. That is a travesty. Mm. <laughs> well, and I think that isn't that the conversation they were trying to have this past Oscars. Yes. Um, and I don't think anyone wanted to have it, but I think it's a conversation that needs to happen. Oh, for sure. African Americans in Hollywood. For sure. And I, I was angry at the time, but I hadn't seen it and I just watched it last week. And so now I'm retroactively more angry that I didn't because I'm watching all these amazing performances. I also don't like that comedies get snubbed all the time. For sure. That's true. And the fact that Juno was nominated this year is pretty amazing. I could Mm -hmm. see it being for uh, best um, screenplay, but for best movie, that's pretty amazing. And didn't they, they referenced uh, Alan Arkin for Little Miss Sunshine and he won, right? Isn't that what they said? But same body of work. Right. If Little Miss Sunshine very, sorry. Mm. No, go ahead. I said they don't find Little Miss Sunshine to be very much of a comedy either. Though. Yeah, it's a dark It's kind comedy. of like a comedy for for smart people. If I were to put it into a category, a comedy yeah. for sad smart people. <laughs> the The movie that I will say that comes to mind because it's one of my absolute favorite movies is Kevin Klein won in A Fish Called Wanda. He won an Oscar, an Oscar, and he is so funny in that movie. And I can I have to think that neither Luke or Andrew has seen it because if they had, it's full of drops. Yeah, he was, and they'd be all over yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. He, so <laughs> Kevin Klein and Fish Called Wanda. Everybody should see that movie because he's so great. But was he supporting actor? So that's the yeah. thing is that mm-hmm. the supporting cast in comedies do get nominated, but it's yeah. never for the main actor or actress and never movie. Now that there's 10, it, they throw a bone a couple times if there's a really good comedy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, I have thoughts about yeah. this. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking about um, like this Knocked Up movie. I don't know if you guys saw it. I mean, it was kind of big that year. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I saw it back then. I haven't watched it since then. Yeah. My sister and her husband, funny story, actually went to see it on their first date in a drive-in theater. <laughs> <laughs> it was so awkward she said <laughs> but um the in springfield they have the they have a 200 two dollar and 50 cent theater and i remember seeing it there and i don't know if i would give any sort of oscar nomination to katherine heigl mm-hmm. um or oh, what's his name seth rogan because they're kind of terrible in the movie mm-hmm. um but i don't know leslie mann was pretty good she and I, I I agree with that assessment, but I'm just saying I think that in terms of the people who get cast and these kinds of things, they're not looking for good actors, right? Right. <laughs> so and neither one of those performances is what I would call great. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Okay. So have either of you seen No Country? I have. No. Okay. I've not. You have not. Okay. So let's talk about this for a second. They both decided that Tommy Lee Jones was the innocent and stood for what was old. And he's looking back and saying, oh, everything is so crazy and I'm old and I'm retiring. My takeaway from that movie, this is a big spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't mm-hmm. seen it, is that... Yeah, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert for 2008 movies, <laughs> just on the whole thing. <laughs> My takeaway from this movie is that Tommy Lee Jones has the money. Oh. What did you think, Anne? I I am so freaked out by Javier Bardem from that movie. Oh. 
He's, I don't remember anything else. He is so freaky. He plays the best bad guy ever. Mm-hmm. He haunted my nightscapes for a while, for sure. And I think like 50% of that was the haircut. It, it was the haircut. <laughs> if you have a creepy haircut. I'm going to have to Google this haircut. Oh, yeah. Just Google him. And then what was his name in that movie? He oh, had a weird name that was kind of freaky, too. And and remember, he had the quarter that he would flip to see if you lived or died. Uh-huh, All of it before. is so freaky. Was <laughs> this set like in the Old West, this movie? Uh, or is it a, not the modern? Old West. Yeah, but, the modern West. Okay. Hmm. But he would it, kill people like with an this. Air, an air. It's the thing they uh, kill cows with. That. Uh, yeah. It's like a pr- air oh, the, pressure. Oh, the, the shock thing? Mm. Um, shotgun? It, it shoots a metal rod through their head. Ooh. Yeah. So that was creepy. But yeah, so my takeaway is Tommy Lee Jones kept saying how much money they needed um, for retirement and to be to be set for him to be able to retire. And then at the end, he just is looking out and he's like, things are different. But I think he has the money. Mm. So whereas Tom was saying that Tommy Lee Jones was acting as the representative of Cormac McCarthy, talking mm-hmm. about how life gets worse as you get older. Yeah, you're thinking that Tom's probably wrong about that. No, it's going to get better if he's got the money. Yeah. <laughs> if you get the money. <laughs> yeah. I think he's set. Now hmm. now I want to watch it again, though, and see if I get that same takeaway. I just remember thinking that, like, oh, good, he got the money. He deserves I remember it. <laughs> that was one of those movies that was fascinating to watch, but I'm not, like, super anxious to watch, watch it again because it was so dark. Yeah, but there will be blood. The milkshake drop is the best part. <laughs> well, that, that one I haven't seen. <laughs> oh, I remember. I remember we were watching it and I was with a bunch of people that we all go see the Oscar movies. And we were all just really confused. And then at the end, it said, this is from a, you know, taken from the book Oil. Oil, explanation point. And I think one of my friends goes, oh, I get it. It's a metaphor. <laughs> And then we're all like, oh, but I like that. Was it not clear? Yeah. Jen said that exact same thing. She said the milkshake is a metaphor. Yeah. (laughs) The the milkshake is the oil and that like all of it, you know, and then um, we all were like, oh, yeah, I get it. Now we need to see it again. Yeah, we probably won't do that. (laughs) I think there are some movies that are just meant to be seen once. Yes. And then you walk away. Never to look back. Yeah, but also that Paul Dano plays a really good freaky character, too. He's such a good actor. Have you guys, did you guys see him in that movie about the Beach Boys? I'm trying to think mm-hmm. what that was called. I have Love it. and Mercy. So good. That's on my so list. Good. I've heard yeah. it's really great. I gave it two thumbs up. Okay. It was amazing. Uh, two Should thumbs I watch- up. Trademarked. <laughs> <laughs> Five popcorn buckets. Um so should I watch that before or after Gilmore Girls? After. Okay. Because it's going to depress you. Okay. Or maybe you can watch it first and then have Gilmore Girls make you undepressed. I okay. Like in between? Mm-hmm. In between. Okay. Yeah. I like that. All right. Let's see what else. Um, okay. Let's talk about her getting kicked out of the movie theater. Let's. <laughs> Love. <laughs> she has lots of movie theater stories. The story where she took the children to the R-rated movie. Yes. Getting kicked out 
of a movie theater twice. Who gets kicked out of Popeye, for God's sakes? Did you guys see this? No. I've not seen Popeye, but I heard it was quite terrible. Oh, it's terrible, but I loved it because <laughs> I I don't even know what year it came out, but I feel like it was on TBS Saturday mornings all the time. I think it was the 80s okay. at some point. Okay, so that makes sense. And I feel like I just all and it would be a movie that I would just watch because I loved Robin Williams because of Mark and Mindy. Um, um, but yes, Shelley Duvall is super creepy. And the part with the baby is very... I could see a 10-year-old being very anxious about it because it seems like he's not going to save the baby. And it's an actual baby, like, crawling, like, and there's a sea monster. Yeah. So, <laughs> But doesn't, doesn't she say that, that um, Sweet Pea was in danger or Sweet Pea the baby? Or Sweet is Pea's that... the baby. Oh, okay. I, I guess I don't know my Popeye's characters. Yeah. Olive oil <laughs> okay. is, is Shelly. Sorry. Duvall. I thought maybe it was the lady friend that was in danger and she was concerned about the lady friend. Yeah. I feel like you guys should watch it because okay. Shelly Duvall is creepy, but also a horrible actress. She might be better in other things, but in this, she is terrible. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure not if promising. I even know who Shelly Duvall is. Okay. Yeah. Um. So why was she on a date? Why do parents do this? It's terrible. Is it a punishment? Was she the chaperone? What's happening? They had something else to do and they needed to get rid of Jen. So they just sent her off with cousin Corey. (laughs) And why did he hit her? Yeah. Was Corey a boy or a girl? I wasn't clear either. Hmm. I thought I mean, it was a. I thought it was maybe a male cousin. Just yeah. because if it was a girl cousin, the girl cousin would have gone out of the movie theater with her, probably, and said, "Oh yeah, we're leaving now." But all you can eat free popcorn. It's I not bad. I want to get kicked out of a movie now. <laughs> it's not a bad deal. No. I want to know if either of you have had experience being the third wheel in a, a movie date situation, because I have. When I was in college, one of my roommates was going out to a movie with her fairly new boyfriend, who I, I knew okay. And for some reason, they said, why don't you come with us to this movie? And I was like, no, no, no. I didn't want to be a third wheel. And they said, no, really, Anne. We promise we really, really want you to come with us. And I said, okay. <laughs> and we went to the theater, and we were like the last people in, and the only seats were in the front row in the middle. And the movie was Mr. Bean. That was a good movie. Um, yeah, that's not a bad movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but front row, not so much. Like, I'm with you there. Not front row. No. And I was like, why on earth did I ever do this? And what were they thinking asking me to go with? Well, I personally feel like unless you're, like, with a really good friend, movies are kind of awkward to go to in general. Because um, you have to sit so close to people. So did they make out the entire time? What? Did they make out the entire time? Uh, I have absolutely no idea. I don't remember. (laughs) If they did, I blocked it. Who makes out at Mr. Bean? Yeah, that's kind of an awkward makeout movie. Yeah. Well, any movie. Like, don't pay $12 to sit in a theater. Just go home. That's true. And turn the lights out. Yeah. There you go. Um. Yeah, I I don't think it's awkward, probably because I was single for so long, and that if I wasn't the third wheel in every situation, I would never have gone anywhere. <laughs> I go to movies by myself all the time. Oh, I, think I do I prefer too. That. 
<laughs> I do too. Totally. You prefer yeah. that yeah. than if your friends say. Well, I think I, sometimes I prefer to even go in with a friend because you can pick out whatever seat you want. You don't have sure. to worry about somebody else being like, I always sit here. We have to sit here. You can get all the snacks you want. Um, I thought I kind of hacked my popcorn situation at movies. I, the, the theater chain that I go to, Carmikey, um, they have like a, a yearly popcorn bucket that you just take with you. And I, I found a lid for it. So I tell them not to fill it up all the way. And then I just put the lid on the bucket. Right. So it doesn't spill. And, um, you know, just take it on in there to the movie with me, and you know, you can open it when you're when you're one popcorn and close it when you're done. And just kind of, it's kind of nice, you know. Do what you want. Oh. I like this life hack. Yeah. Uh, can we call it a snack hack? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Trademark. So, and then, and then you can bring the popcorn home, right? Because like they're like it's, it's this like five quart bucket, right? That you're never gonna. Oh, I can't eat that much popcorn at a movie. Mm-hmm. So I eat it for like the next three days after I go to see a movie. This is amazing. Yeah. Now I want popcorn. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, of course, we've talked about Jen getting tossed out of Popeye, but she also got tossed out of The Wrath of Khan. Okay. So, um, Catherine, you haven't seen it. Tell me about your it. experience with that. With Wrath of Khan? Mm-hmm. I still have a phobia of bugs going into my ears. It's yeah, so I don't so think bad. I've ever seen Rathacom, but I do remember the ear thing. It looks like it doesn't look like a big like Madagascar hissing cockroach thing that goes in their ear. So it's really small at first, and they drop it in with almost like um, and it's the guy from um, Fantasy Island. So I loved oh, that show. Montalban. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, loved that he- show, and so then he became this bad guy, and I was so upset. That because you know when you're a little kid, it's the same person. Mm-hmm. So I just am like, why is this Fantasy Island guy dressed so weird, and why is he doing that? So he drops it with like tweezers into his ear, and then it grows bigger. Ooh, yeah. And is that when it turns into the hissing cockroach looking thing? Yes. Well, it, it right. It sort of always looks like that. Okay. But it just gets like, bigger. Yeah, it's a parasite, and they put him in their ear and then they crawl in there and grow and oh, i don't remember it's been What's a long time point? since i saw that movie what was the point of it are they like trying to read his mind or torture him i don't remember yeah, me either yeah yeah <laughs> that's a, this is a i've only seen a handful of star treks or star trekery or something so um i know that one i saw in the theater and that's why it was so upsetting well and i think specifically because of that scene I never, ever, ever wanted to go back and watch it again. Yeah. Oh, also, I mean, there, this is not, but any kind of bugs. So there's a scene in Poltergeist that I still can't watch. That mm. I know that something about bugs happen, but I've never watched it. <laughs> I think that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's fine. Bugs yeah, so are icky. I get that. I have a huge phobia of, of bugs going in my ears and then growing really big and a weird guy like taking over my brain functions <laughs> that sounds like a reasonable fear yes it does and i would probably <laughs> scream and be asked to leave the theater as well mm-hmm. and more recently she um at the end of um 
Charlie Wilson's war when she stood up and hollered <laughs> Oscars for everyone. She says that the rest of the people in the theater weren't that um, impressed by her her statement. I would have laughed. Have you guys ever been to the movie where people like yell things at the at the screen? You mean like it's set I... up that way, or that it's such a well, bad no, movie? Well, no, I mean like people do just do. I think I, I try to remember what movie it was. It might have been the most recent Marvel movie, like the Captain America Civil War. Mm. I, I went to see it, and I'm pretty sure that there were some some fanboys that were like screaming things like Iron Man no at the like at the at the <gasps> screen, and it was kind of annoying. Um, I'm not very confrontational, but I think Mm-mm. um if I had somebody with me or felt like maybe a little bit more brave, I would have I would have like shut up, but I didn't. Did you go to but see it, it like early in the run? Was this like opening I night? I think I went opening, opening weekend? weekend. Yeah, I went there opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm trying. I think I went like maybe Friday or Saturday that it opened. I really try to avoid <laughs> opening weekends, opening weeks, and I like to go like on a Sunday morning for the first showing. Just whatever I can yeah. do to get fewer people in there, because mm-hmm. on the rare times that I've been convinced to go on opening weekend. It seems like it's as much a social event as a movie watching event. So like you go in the theater for, especially for something that's going to be a blockbuster. And it's like, I can just sort of feel the hormones yes. in the air. <laughs> and I'm like, ugh, gross. I don't yeah. want to be here. Uh, the movie. Yeah, thankfully. I... Oh, sorry. Sorry. I said, oh. thankfully my movie theater is fairly small. I mean, so when they have an opening weekend, occasionally they might sell out, but not always. So, I think that if I remember correctly, I think the theater was like maybe three quarters away full. It wasn't completely full, but mm. I guess that's why I feel like I can get away with opening weekends. Well, That'd they were nice. totally inappropriate. Yeah. They should not have been hollering things out to Iron Man because he can't hear you. <laughs> he cannot hear you. Can we talk about um, their their discussion of Juno a little bit? Yes. Because... I kind of they're 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 very much in love with Diablo Cody, mm-hmm. which I think is really ironic and fun um, because I do remember when Juno came out and I I actually own it. I think I've only seen it maybe I saw it in the theater and I think I've seen it once since then, um, mainly because I like the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But they're so in love with Diablo Cody and they're like, oh, she's going to do amazing things. And I honestly can't think of one thing that I've heard of that she's done since Juno came out. Oh, she wrote this one that I started watching that was starring mm-hmm. Charlize Theron that was called oh, was Young Adult. Young Adult. Yep, yep. Okay. Oh, and I it, didn't finish it. It was terrible. I was kind of terrible. Yeah. It was so terrible. Wait, she did uh United States of Terra. Oh, did she? Okay. So that's I guess that's something. Yeah. Did you guys see that? Mm-mm. I've not, but I did hear about it. It had uh what's her name? From um, Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Tony Collette. Yeah. It was pretty great, but yes, after that, nothing else. And being a TV writer is a little bit different because you have a whole staff, mm-hmm. so she's mm-hmm. getting all the credit. She did create it and was executive producer, but there's also a whole writing staff. But yes, I don't think. Yeah, but that hasn't been on the air in quite a while, right? Like probably five years or something. Oh yeah, or is it more recent than I think? Um, 2009 to 2011. Okay. Yeah. So five years. Yeah. But yes, Juno is yeah. basically it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's probably gonna be the pinnacle of her success. For sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, wait. Well, she's what? riding Sweet Valley High. Oh, no. A musical? Did you guys ever read those? I think I read yes. one when I was oh, young. Yes. Yes. I read a lot of them. <laughs> I think that's why you're mad about it, right? But I'm and... not mad. Like, I don't have any particular affection for Sweet Valley High. It's just they were so terrible. How could a movie yeah. be good? Oh, Anne, it gets better. It's a musical based on the book series. Okay, now I'm interested. <laughs> now I'm back. I've come around. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, we'll just have to see what that's like. Will you, would you do opening night for that? Maybe. No. no. <laughs> Anne's just out on opening night. <laughs> nope. Well, let's go back to Juno for a second, because I want to talk about Michael Sarah as a romantic lead. Because I know that Jen had romantic dreams about him <laughs> that she talked about on the show. But I have to say, I, I can't, I can't get behind that particular casting. He just doesn't strike me as... I don't know. I think he was very, very much the man of the times at that point. And maybe because I was approximately the same age as they were. I'm trying to think how old I was in 2000 and 2008, like 20-ish maybe. Um, you know, he, I, I thought he was pretty cute, you know, awkward. Hmm. I think um, that that was the character supposed to be though, right? He wasn't supposed to be cute. He's supposed to be adorable and nerdy and dorky and awkward. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably truth in casting right, right there. Cause that's <laughs> what he plays in every role. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't seen much of him either. I don't think lately. No. So. Yeah, he probably doesn't true. need the work. Yeah, he probably out, he probably outgrew that adorable, cute, awkward, right. geeky phase, and well, he's just a he has Arrested Development money. That's true. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> or Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh, that was such a good movie. <laughs> oh man, I was not into that. Oh really? <laughs> I wasn't. I think what else he was in? Wasn't he in, he in like that super bad movie? Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he played himself in that End of Days movie. Did you guys see that one? No. Mm -mm. Let's mm -mm. what was it called? Uh Yeah, it was like with um where the world ends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, I know I, which one you're talking okay. about. World's end or something? Yeah. Yeah, the world uh yeah, the world ends and then um yeah. they no one under well except for that um everyone in Hollywood is still there. <laughs> <laughs> and he plays himself and it's hilarious so check that out that's, funny. <laughs> that's a movie from 2012 <laughs> mm -hmm. okay we can't get out of this discussion without talking about the notebook right yes i loved that this clip started and ended with notebook bashing <laughs> loved it because doesn't i'm trying to think what what, what luke says he says nobody smart loves a notebook or something mm -hmm. um oh anyone who loves a notebook isn't very smart yes um and then and then what is uh and then tom says um the outrage of all cinema is what he calls it <laughs> <laughs> and he says something about the all the actors in it Oh, yeah. yeah, he said, this movie has ruined so many good actors. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I like, okay, I didn't love The Notebook. Like, I know that it was a thing. And, mm -hmm. um, but the acting was so good in it that as a movie, 
separate like the the performances were great but mm-hmm. nicholas sparks is an emotional terrorist right we can all agree on that <laughs> agree agree because i feel i feel like all of his movies follow plot and someone's gonna die someone you just dies. Know yeah mm-hmm. so i get that it, it's so terrible i think i've read one of his books and i said nope i'm done i can't do this <laughs> have you watched many of the movies the notebook and then something about like a military guy that oh, has dear piece- john yeah oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> i have so much feeling about that movie <laughs> no and i just said okay i'm done i can't do it what was the one with Mandy Moore? That's the one that I oh, saw. Oh, uh, a walk to remember. That was yes. one of the. That's one of the movies that I saw. One of the very first ones I saw in the movie theater when I was in high school because we didn't go see movies very much when I was a kid. And it's got that really amazing Switchfoot soundtrack, which I loved at the time. It's kind of probably very dated now, um, but I don't know. Oh, wait, I did see that. That's a terrible yeah. one, right? <laughs> Well, she dies. She dies. But then they're like, alert. They're in <laughs> high school and they pretend to get married. Like the whole thing well, is. Well, then they actually. I thought they actually got married because I. I was pretty sure that it was a real wedding. Um, I read the book back in the day because I was that much of an emotional. I don't know. You like terrorism it. seeker, yes. I guess. Um, and it's the 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 book's set in the fifties, which makes a little bit more sense because like modern day medicine you would think well can't they can't they cure it like she's just got i think i think she's got leukemia or something Mm -hmm, i think that's right you know and people live from leukemia now but like in the 50s it made more sense that she had to die well Um, and where were the parents why were they letting these kids get married well i'm trying to think isn't well her dad's all for it isn't he i'm trying to remember Mm, he just wants dead yeah he just wants her to be happy yeah i mean it's pretty much make a wish but you know what make a wish go to disneyland don't get married (laughs) did they just want to have sex i need to watch the show again i don't the critical mind i I don't think so i'm not even sure they even get a chance i haven't seen it in a while um i sometime you guys need to just google nicholas spark movies and it has the movie posters for every one of his movies they all look exactly the same Mm-hmm. It's yeah, a, I can tell you. I can tell you that I don't even googling it. Um, <laughs> it's just a man touching like a woman's some guy, hair. Some lady, some weird font on the top. <laughs> Someone crying. Somebody laughing. About to kiss. A potential ocean, right? Because yep. most of them are set right in like South Carolina or something. Yes, they're all on um, the water for sure. Yeah, yeah. And something about he never understood the real yeah. meaning of life until, until he met her. Dot dot yeah. dot. Yeah. You'll what does this one say? You'll never forget your first love. Dot, is that dot, the dot. best of me? It is. Oh my god. We should have played a game where I just read the <laughs> Oh sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, things about Catherine you didn't know. I watched way too many movies. <laughs> <laughs> and now that we the good yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, maybe it's just that as ladies, we get so criticized for our emotions and being emotional that when you have uh, crappy movies like Nicholas Sparks movies that are all emotion, that's just a safe space to let that all out. Oh, that thank you for be. creating that safe space. Yeah, I like that, that. Is true. Yeah, I like that a lot. And guys, if you don't want to watch it, then. I don't know. I can't finish that thought. Then that's well, just too bad because yeah, sometimes you say, have to suck it up and be nice. 
I would say that girls watch a lot of things that they don't want to watch because guys do. Mm-hmm. Guys just need to put their big boy pants on and watch it. And they like it. They're yeah. Just lying if they... Yeah. My stepdad always said that he enjoyed watching those movies with my sister and I. Hmm. So, I don't know. Oh, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Do we have anything else that we need to say about the movies in this clip? Because I have one last question. If okay. If we're finished my question is i i think that we should give a movie recommendation of something that we've seen recently and recently. recently i mean like the last year this oh. this show is all about movies and so what have you seen that you recommend for other people Catherine? i'm trying to think i've seen a lot of movies this year um i watched a movie on netflix try to see if i can find the title can you come back to me Yes, Christy? Okay. Okay, so I have two. Sorry. One is mm-hmm. on Netflix, and it is called Straight Outta Compton. <laughs> anyone that's in any chat with me knows that I'm obsessed with it. And if I had seen it in the theater, I would have been talking to the screen because I was yelling things at my TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the theater, Ghostbusters, even though it ruined my childhood. Oh. <laughs> Just kidding. It was amazing. <laughs> I know that it didn't do well in the ratings, but I loved it. That's okay. As long as it made you happy. It did. Then that's all that matters. It did. Um, I also have two. I had one picked and then I thought of another one. Um, what Actually, this is not very original because it won the best picture last year. It was Spotlight, the story of the Boston globe is that right yeah the boston globe reporters that uncovered the catholic church pedophilia scandal oh, yeah and the process of them writing it and when i heard about it i was like how on earth are you going to make an interesting movie about journalists writing a story and it was riveting it was so good i saw it twice awesome. so that's, that's my question was that if that's something that you watch once and then don't revisit or no okay. no it was really interesting i liked it and um no surprise i cried at the end um, and the second one uh, is Sicario, starring Emily Blunt as, I think she was a DEA agent, and it's all about the um, uh, Mexican drug cartels and the drug trade, and it's uh, very much sort of a, an action drama. And I heard a few people criticize it because they say that Emily Blunt is too skinny to look like she's a DEA ass kicker. Or maybe she's FBI. Mm. I don't remember. Whatever law enforcement. Um, but Benicio del Toro is in this, and he is bananas. He is so good. Is that pretty much the character that he plays? This crazy psycho bad guy. I mean, in every I think movie, what I've seen him in. I don't know if I've it's, seen him. It's not as um, simple as that. He's a bad guy. I see. He's a, okay. He's a good guy, but he's still crazy bananas. And I'm not that big of a Del Toro fan, but he was really excellent. Awesome. Well, I thought of mine, too. Okay. Um, okay. And I'm going to say, two since you guys said two. The sure. one that I was thinking on Netflix was called Enter the Battlefield. Um, it's actually a documentary um, about card game, which I think Magic the Gathering, like oh. the professional circuit. Surprisingly interesting. Um, and I, I love a good documentary. So that's my choice for a documentary. Mm. And then I just saw, it was actually on Netflix, but I loved it so much I bought it. So that tells you it was amazing. It's called Big Stone Gap. It's got Ashley Judd and Whippy Goldberg and other people that I can't remember. 
but it's set in the 60s in a, a small town in Kentucky, Tennessee, something like that. Uh, and it's it just, it's kind of like, it just, you know, it's heartwarming, I think, is the thing. You know, she finds love and her family and all kinds of stuff. So, Is this Did a it- recent movie? Yeah, I think it came out the last couple of years. Yeah. Oh. So, and I, I remember when it came out, but I don't think it got a very big um, reception. Um, but it, it's it's really good. And like I said, it's on Netflix. So check it out. I will. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, ladies, do we have anything else that we need to add? I don't. I, w- I want them to bring this segment back, whether Jen's on it or not. Mm-hmm. What, just talk about the Oscar movies? Yes, just have Tom back on it. Like I said, I really like I said, I listened to all the ones that were available, and I really, really liked it. Um, even if you've not seen the movies, I think it's fascinating to listen to people discuss things movie related. I think the problem is that neither Luke nor Andrew really go to see a lot of popular movies. I mean, Andrew talks a, a little bit about going to see the movies, but Luke he he's never seen the movies when they have those discussions so tom needs somebody who's as passionate as he is to play off of yeah yes i think jen's gotta come back for it i think so and (laughs) i mean andrew is a movie file i guess they call it cinephile Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so if they just give an assignment and say you have to watch these movies and we'll all talk about them Mm -hmm. i think that that would be that would be a really great segment that would be a great segment i agree and here we're we deserve a producer credit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, Andrew, right now. <laughs> uh, well, let's roll on into a little bit of housekeeping. Okay. Everybody knows by now we have stickers. If you'd like a sticker, please um, come to the website. Also for the Amazon portal. On the last episode, Bobby read some of the things that people have bought, and. Um, Tonight, I just bought something through our link. We were talking because of the uh, recent um, episode of the show where they talked about Kit Kats or Kit's Cat. Kit's and cat. Phyllis was sharing in a, in a chat about her uh, sour lemon candy from mm-hmm. Japan that she loved. And so I, I bought a container of four of them for thirteen ninety nine on Amazon tonight. So I'm doing my part. Come on, people. <laughs> And You'll you have to also... give a review about that sour candy. Yeah, I want to try it. I will. Yeah. Looks like it's up my alley, so I'll let everybody know. And if you'd like to donate, help us out of a few jams, of course you can do that too. Um, the Best of Western Washington contest is still going on. Um, we haven't checked to see where we are in the rankings lately, but I think it would be hysterical if we came out higher than TBTL. Oh, yes. For we sure. did last year. Did we? Yes. Because oh, they I, threw I... all of their support to us. Oh, that's yeah. right. I do remember that now. Do you know it's really Maybe funny. they'll do that again. We have at, at my work when there's a new person, they get to ask a question and everyone in the company goes around and, and answers it. And today's question was, what are you most, what's your best accomplishment or what are you most proud of? And I said, winning the best of Western Washington (laughs) podcast in the top five last year. So please vote for me this year. (laughs) Two in a row. (laughs) A twofer. And remember, there is a prize. One lucky voter will win a new car. It could be you. I mean, Catherine doesn't need one. No, you don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah. But somebody else could get it. Yes. 
All right. And I'll do the get involved. You can go to our website at littleredbandwagon.com. Um, you can go to the Facebook page, which is just Little Red Bandwagon, um, or the Stens page. We're active on there. Um, our show Twitter is uh, at LRB Podcast. Catherine, do you have a Twitter? I do. It's actually K-A-T underscore 9865. Um, I don't use it very much. I've been trying to figure it out. I've been on it for probably six years, maybe. Um, and and you, we, <laughs> you still got number 9865? Well, <laughs> I was trying to think of a number that I could remember. And when you when you look at a keyboard, you know, when it's a, a, a not numbers, like numbers off to the side, the 9865 mm-hmm. are kind of like in a box. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. In my brain, it made sense at the time. That's good. Yeah. All right. So follow Kath. Oh, do you want people to follow you on that? You can follow me. I'm just saying I, I may not, you may not like what you see. Yeah. I don't follow, I don't write much. And what about on Facebook? Do you want people to follow you on Facebook? Yes, please. Yes, okay. please. Catherine Damon. Um, I think you can probably find me on the Stens page. Mm-hmm. I'm on there occasionally. I'm definitely a member. And then I'm fairly active, I think, on the Advice Givers page as well. Yeah, the Advice Givers page is really, really great. I think there's yeah. a lot of great stuff happening over there. And also, Andrew just recently put a post that he takes um, that he takes advice from there, but he didn't realize that it was a personal page where we're actually venting our personal stuff. Um, so if you don't care if it gets brought up on TVTL, make sure to hashtag it um, OPP approved or OPP positive. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, let's see. Last is um, you can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com or send us a voicemail, 802-432-8285. And that's 802-432-TBTL. Catherine, thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. This was really fun to talk about movies. We like sort of talked about TBTL and we <laughs> sort of talked about movies. Isn't that how TBTL goes? <laughs> yeah, it's our show. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> so I guess I'll get us out of here. Um, uh, Christy? Yes. Until next time, this is the next party. And we love you, Jen. Nailed it. Power out.